Hello, my Rebels. Today, I'm in Calgary for the second day, talking about Tamara Leach and her surprise arrest for the crime of being in a selfie photograph with another trucker. It's just incredible. They put up on a national warrant. She was arrested. She's going to be flown out to Ottawa in shackles. Absolutely shocking. I'll talk to her lawyer, Keith Wilson, about that, and I'll talk about two other civil liberties disasters today, too. That's today's show. I'd like to invite you to watch it in video form. We call that Rebel News Plus. As opposed to the podcast, we show you vids and images, and I think it's a richer experience. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, which is pretty low. That's half the price of Netflix, and you get my show every night, plus four weekly shows. And frankly, a good reason to do it is just to help us Stay strong because we don't take money from Trudeau. That eight bucks a month really adds up for us. So please consider going to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Thanks. Tonight, trucker organizer Tamara Leach is arrested for taking a selfie with one of Trudeau's other political enemies. It's June 28th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Hello and welcome. I'm in Calgary for the second day in a row. Forgive me for not having access to my studio. And normally I write my script out and put it in a teleprompter so I have my notes in front of me. Now I just have it on my phone. It's a pleasure to be in Calgary. This is a city that believes in freedom. I was thinking about it. It's the only province in Canada that actually defenestrated its... uh, Governing, governing leader because of lockdown policies. Jason Kenney is still the sitting premier, but he was discarded by his own party for his misgovernance during the lockdowns. That's because of the freedom movement here. And I think to where I live and rebel headquarters in Toronto and alas, Ontarians seem to slouch forward with the locker downer, even though he allegedly calls himself a conservative, very sad. But I want to talk about three terrible things that happened today. And I guess I want to preface that by saying This is my first trip flying in over a year. I mean, there's still limits on people like me. We can't go on cruise ships. We can't leave for the United States. If we return to Canada, we have to go through a two-week quarantine. None of that makes sense. It's all punitive. But at least we can travel around our own country. It's the first time I've done that in a year. So I was feeling a little bit of freedom. I was feeling a little bit hopeful. I'm able to go to a restaurant now without having to show my private medical information. So I was feeling pretty good until I guess I was hit with a triple whammy today. And and that's what I'd like to talk about. The triple setback for freedom that happened today. And it happened at the hands of our police and prosecutors, people who were supposed to protect us and protect our freedom. The first and most obvious was the shocking arrest of Tamara Leach, who is the Métis grandma who helped organize the trucker convoy to Ottawa in January and February. She was already arrested and held outrageously for inciting 
mischief. Now, no one was charged with mischief, so I don't know how you could incite mischief that didn't happen. Of course, she was a peaceful protester. None of Trudeau's preferred protesters are ever arrested or held without bail for weeks, but Tamara Leach was. Um, you might recall that about two weeks ago, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, that's um, a public interest law firm. We've interviewed their president, John Carpe, quite a bit. They had their annual fundraiser and freedom gala and Tamara Leach, their client, was the award winner and I think it was a great choice. She and the truckers did more for freedom than any political actor in the country. So she was out there in Toronto. I had the pleasure of attending. I saw her and said a quick hello. She was very much in demand. I want to let you know there was a constant stream of people waiting for selfies with her because she's sort of a celebrity and remember that night was about her. So really every single person and there were hundreds of people there wanted a quick photo with her as a memento, as a souvenir. So here's one such photo, completely normal. No one's even talking, they're just posing and saying, geez, that photo was published to social media. Now that happened, um, I don't know, a week or two ago, I'd have to dig up the date of it, but it happened quite a few days ago. But suddenly last night, Tamara Leach was arrested for that photograph and the cause was that one of the people in that selfie that was standing too many inches near her, I guess, was another trucker organizer named Tom Marazzo. And because they're not allowed to scheme or collude, the fact they were standing in a photo together for the 10 or 15 seconds it takes to take a selfie, she was arrested. And here you can see the Ottawa police bragging about that. The Ottawa police saying they sent out a nationwide warrant for her arrest. And here's the Medicine Hat police bragging, boasting that they will do whatever Ottawa police say. They will arrest whoever Ottawa police tell them to. And remember, Ottawa's police force, notoriously corrupt, just absolutely abusive. They had a police chief who wouldn't go along with Trudeau's antics, so they sacked him and put in an interim police chief who literally did anything you might recall that anything included shooting our dear reporter Alexa in the leg. So this is really the most partisan, most corrupt police force in the country, even more so than the RCMP. They saw this picture online, but of course it was posted online more than a week ago. Why did they wait until last night to arrest her? And what are they talking about waiting six days before they get her in front of a judge? Why now? Why six days? Well, the answer is because there's sort of a echo trucker protests scheduled for Ottawa, the nation's capital, on Canada Day. So they deliberately waited for any fig leaf of an excuse to arrest her and surprise their process takes six days. Apparently they have to wait for the next stagecoach to take her to Ottawa where some Trudeau judge will hear the matter. There is nothing about this that doesn't meet the definition of a political prisoner. It's an absolute disgrace. Now, we know that the Ottawa police are disgraced, but now the Medicine Hat police are doing their bidding. The, the photo I have in my notes here was taken on June 16th, and yet they waited till last night to move on it, clearly to take her out of action for that peaceful protest. Now, I should tell you that, as I mentioned, the JCCF, which hosted this gala, that's a bunch of lawyers. So obviously they were right there. There were lawyers sitting right at her table. Nothing illegal or untoward happened. 
but the thugs at the Ottawa police arrested her anyways. I'm sorry, that's the kind of thing that happens in Cuba or North Korea. No, it's the kind of thing that happens in Canada. Um, but it wasn't just the Ottawa police. It was the Medicine Hat police that jumped to attention and said, Sir, yes, sir. Jump. How high, sir? What's going on there? How, how about Jason Kenney? Well, we know he's fine with all these lockdowns and prosecutions. But how about the UCP, the United Conservative Party, leadership candidates who are running to succeed Jason Kenney? Where are they on this? And where are the Canadian Conservative Party of Canada national candidates for leadership on this? And the reason I ask is that in recent weeks and months, both the provincial UCP in Alberta and the federal Conservatives have said, oh, we're with the truckers, we're against mandates, we're for peaceful democratic protests. They were a little bit late to the party, but still they came. Okay, well now it's a tough moment again. Who will stand with Tamara Leach? They were all happy to bask with the truckers. They met with trucker organizers a few days ago. Who will stand with Tamara Leach in this obviously unconstitutional arrest? Literally arresting someone for standing in silence in a photograph with another one of Trudeau's enemies. Where are the conservatives? Now the answer is, in Jason Kenney's case, they're not just complying, they're, they're leading the charge. So my first example of a setback for liberty was Tamara Leach. And that happened in Ottawa and Medicine Hat this morning. But the second happened, the second instance happened in Edmonton today, and it was the sentencing of a peaceful church, obviously peaceful, called Church in the Vine. A Christian church that decided that it ought to keep its doors open during the lockdown for its members to pray and find community and find some spiritual uplift in these dark times rather than the loneliness, despair, and fear being mongered by the government. By the way, of course, there was never any COVID outbreak at this church. There was never any problem in the church. Um, None was ever alleged. It's just that Jason Kenney's thugs from the Alberta Health Services insisted on having their way in the church, looking in the daycare, looking in the sanctuary during Sunday services, like you're in East Germany or something, just the Stasi are deciding they're gonna come and interrupt your church service. So they never actually said to these inspectors, you can't come, they just said, can you wait till our church service is over? No, they would not. Jason Kenney hired a special, he put together a special church prosecution squad of special health department police and special prosecutors and their only task has been to prosecute churches. And that's still going. It's a multi-million dollar task force that only does that. And they were in court in Edmonton today and our friend Sheila Gunn-Reed was up there live tweeting the proceedings. They, and I have the notes in front of me, Pastor Tracy was fined $15,000 thousand dollars and the church itself was fined another sixty five thousand dollars eighty thousand dollars in fines not because they broke any rule none was alleged not because they spread the virus it didn't happen but because the thugs from jason kenny's health department demanded all access to the church right in the middle of the ceremony and the church leadership said hey can you wait a minute till we're done jason kenny's police Jason Kenney's prosecutors and the government judge just issued $80,000 in fines. Now, I don't know of any church that's got 80 grand just sitting in the kitty. What happens if they don't pay? Now, if you're in a 
other situation, you can seize someone's property. Is Jason Kenny going to seize this church? Is he going to seize it? Is he going to occupy it like he occupied the Grace Life Church south of Edmonton a year ago? If you remember that, that was another church that didn't like inspectors coming around during the services. So over 100 police raided the church, put up a fence around it, and the grossest part of all, Jason Kenney's police put their latrines for the cops to defecate right on the church steps. Not in the field. They symbolically put their outhouses, their portable outhouses, right on the church steps just to show who was boss. Physically and metaphorically shitting on the church. Are they going to do that again? when they seize this church to make good on their $80,000 debt. An absolute disgrace. That's the second setback today. The third happened across the country. I'm delighted that our reporter, Drea Humphrey, again, like me, her first journey in more than a year, went out to Halifax to cover the Mass Casualty Commission, the public inquiry. If you're not from the Atlantic, it's perhaps not as strong in your mind but there was a mass shooting event with many troubling aspects to it. I won't get into those details, but it was a horrific event. I think it was the worst uh, crime in, in Halifax history. And so there was a public inquiry into what happened, what went wrong, who did what, the kind of thing you would want to see. And one of the revelations is that Brenda Lucky, the hand-picked RCMP commissioner who has defended Trudeau, saved him from prosecution, she was found to be interfering, demanding that the local police in Halifax publish certain details that they never would so that Justin Trudeau could make effectively campaign ads. Not to do police work better, not to come to justice or not to stop crime, but Brenda Lucky was interfering with local police autonomy and decisions so that they could build some sort of public fodder for Justin Trudeau to stand on the dead bodies and campaign for, I think it was gun control, was their thinking. Brenda Lucky wasn't just content to interfere and defend Trudeau herself. She meddled with the local police. It's just so gross. Um, you know, we've seen this before. The police, as you know, decided that Justin Trudeau had committed all the elements of, elements of an offense for uh, corruption and bribery for... Uh, undue influence peddling, I'm not sure the exact name of the charge, the police had concluded that Justin Trudeau had committed the elements of an offense in taking a free $200,000 secret vacation from a lobbyist, the Aga Khan, but they just declined to charge him. This same Brenda Lucky declined to charge the, the crooked Gerald Butts uh, for his interference in the SNC-Lavalin corruption matter. Brenda Lucky, the corrupt RCMP officer, has finally been caught red-handed. And it's an incredible moment, and I'm so proud that Ardrea Humphrey is out there. And it shows what happens when you replace a person of honor, Jody Wilson-Raybould, with just a partisan hack like David Lamenti, the new justice minister, or Brenda Lucky, the RCMP commissioner. What's the common thread amongst these three things? The shocking political arrest of Tamara Leach last night the sentencing of a church to $80,000 in fines, not for doing any crime, not for spreading any illness, but for simply not letting government agents into the church, without a search warrant, by the way, 
And then, of course, Brenda Lucky being found telling local police to basically alter a crime scene so that Justin Trudeau can make a campaign ad. Well, the common thread to me is that police and prosecutors are not always on our team anymore, are they? I mean, there are good cops out there. Obviously, there are good prosecutors. I know some of them, but not all of them and not the senior brass. They're working for Justin Trudeau and Jason Kenney. They know what their orders are. Politicians aren't just fine with that. Politicians are orchestrating that. They're loving that. Justin Trudeau is getting his revenge against the Métis grandma who embarrassed him. Justin Trudeau's getting his revenge, and Jason Kenney too. Kenney's disgraced. He's lost the confidence of his own party, but he still is clinging to power, and he's still calling the shots. He's getting the revenge against these damn churches that wouldn't close too, isn't he? And every UCP candidate and every CPC candidate, I mean, the day is still not done. Maybe they've weighed in. But where are they on this? Is this all fine? Is this all normal? Is this the new normal in Canada? None of the churches were ever charged with a crime. Tamara Leach was charged with a trumped-up <laughs> um, inciting mischief, completely peaceful. Are we fine with people being jailed for weeks or even months for these political crimes? Are we fine with churches being fined tens of thousands of dollars because they embarrassed the government? Are we fine with the police orchestrating police work to suit the prime minister? Are we fine with that? The media sure seems to be. Even conservative politicians sure seem to be. No, I don't think so. I don't think this is normal, or at least I don't think it should be. And so I guess the way I'll end this monologue is to say I came out here to Calgary first time I've traveled in a year. I was pretty excited and feeling pretty positive about it. It's great to be in Calgary, a city of freedom, but don't kid yourself. We're not free yet. Stay with us for more with Sheila Gunn-Reed. now from Edmonton is Keith Wilson QC, the lawyer with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms who is in charge of Tamara Leach's call. It was from him that we learned that Tamara was arrested last night and this morning there was a hearing, I understand, um, from Medicine Hat. Keith, what can you tell us about it? It comes as a shock, but we shouldn't be surprised by it. Tell us what you know. Obviously, don't give away any solicitor-client privilege, but what are the facts of what happened to Tamara? Well, last night, uh, around five o'clock, after she was leaving work and heading home, she lives in Medicine Hat, Alberta, which is, uh, is a city in the southeastern part of our province. And they have their own police force, the Medicine Hat Police. And uh, she was arrested. And she was advised that it was on a Canada-wide warrant. And she was taken to the remand center. Um, as you know, Ezra, I'm, I'm a lawyer on a number of files right now, including dealing with all of the various legal issues around the Freedom Convoy and Tamara and the others, Emergencies Act inquiry and so on, but I'm not a criminal lawyer. So we have a team of criminal lawyers. So we mobilized to, to locate them and get them in contact with her. And they worked into the evening. There was a hearing late last night and another one today. And the long and short of it is, is that she was arrested for an allegation of breaching one of her bail conditions, and I'll speak to that in a moment, um, because that is troubling about the nature of the alleged breach in its own right. And 
the plan, according to the Ottawa City Police, is for them to fly out some detectives uh, tomorrow to shackle her and handcuff her and fly her back to Ottawa just in advance of uh, uh, the Canada Day celebrations and put her in jail there where she can go before the ju a judge in Ontario, hopefully before the weekend and if not early next week, uh, to see whether or not uh, what the consequence are is the, of the alleged breach of the bail condition or whether or not she'll be, be uh, released on further conditions or continue to be jailed. You know, I couldn't help but think Tamara Lich, Métis grandma, not accused of anything other than what I call political crimes, no violence, of course, shackled and escorted across the country. I was on an Air Canada flight to Halifax and the convicted, confessed Al-Qaeda terrorist and murderer, Omar Khadr, was flying first class. I was in economy class. Omar Khadr, who Trudeau took off the terrorist no-fly list as part of his deal, $10.5 million payment, public apology, and taking him off the no-fly list. I was on an airplane with Omar Khadr, who was sipping drinks in first class, and Tamara Leach is going to be shackled and escorted by two Ottawa cops to sit in prison in Ottawa until another judge gets around to looking at this bail alleged breach. It is infuriating. And how could it be anything other than a political? This is this is political from top to bottom. I'm outraged to hear. Where is she right now? Is she in Medicine Hat jail right now? We don't know. She's on. We, we believe don't know. She's on the move. Nope. She's either at uh, remand where she was earlier today, or she's being moved to Lethbridge or maybe the police have arrived. You can't, you, can, you know, it's not like, you know, tracking your kid's iPhone here. Uh, you, you just, we we're, we're able to have certain calls to her and she's only able to uh, make certain calls going out. So I don't think anything nefarious is happening in that sense, to be clear, but, um, but let me highlight something else because it won't be obvious to many. Um, you know, we probably think, well, Canada-wide warrant, what's the big deal? Well, if you're a police officer or you're a criminal defense lawyer, you know that Canada-wide warrants are extremely rare. We <laughs> use them for the worst of the worst. We use them for, for murderers. We use them for serial rapists, people engaged in some kind of bank robbery, violence spree. You know, that's the only time they use these things. <laughs> So we're using that for underlying crime of counseling to commit mischief. That's it. And then um, they knew where she was. They know her routine. She wasn't hiding in an attic. Yeah. And so she was, she was just with Sheila Gunn-Reed um, playing in her band the other day. Like she's, she's out and about. It's not like she's a fugitive. They're treating her like a fugitive. I want to ask you, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I no, that's fine. You you mentioned it earlier, and I I just I'm so eager to hear the allegation, the the accusation. Was it really because she was in a selfie photo with a bunch of people, including another trucker, and they're all you can see the photo. They're all quiet, posing for the photo. No one's even talking. This was at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom Gala Dinner in Toronto a couple of weeks ago. Was it really that photo that caused the Ottawa police to issue a national warrant for her arrest? Tell me that's just an internet rumor. Is that true? It is, uh, it is absolutely true. We confirmed it 
That's it. Afternoon. Was there anything else? Was there anything else? No. There, that I'm photo, with you. That selfie. I know. I, you know, my, I, my I line is, what, they didn't like her dress? You know, it wasn't formal enough? But let me be more precise about this. So you have a number of very well-dressed men and women, like we like to do occasionally now that we're allowed to go to banquets and galas yeah. and award dinners and, 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 and weddings and other events. Um, she's there getting a freedom award. One of the restrictions on her bail conditions is that she not associate or communicate with certain individuals, except in the presence of counsel. Ezra, you were there. You know there was lots of lawyers in the room. Oh, not only lawyers. just lawyers in the room, Tamara's lawyers were in the room yeah. because I lead two teams of them, and as well as Tom Razzo's lawyers were there, and. So they have a photograph taken together with the lawyers off camera. Uh, Tom Morazzo, of course, just so everybody's clear, he's not just any Canadian. He's a retired army officer. He's an army captain who served our country. He's standing there looking distinguished and in his nice suit with his haircut and pressed and and you know just even looking at that pictures and you've got to put it and I you put it on your screen for the audience to say to yourself that taking a picture like that is enough under Trudeau's Canada now, what's to get the word a Canada-wide warrant and thrown in now, jail. What is the wording of the bail condition? Because I, I think I heard you say associate, and I think I heard you say communicate, because it they says, are standing. says communicate. Sorry, I misspoke. I, I, I okay, have it on well, my glad, And the reason I clarified that is because you can see their mouths uh, are closed. They're standing, posing for a picture. There was no communication going on. I, I'm sure you. But even if there pictures. were, even if yeah. there were, there was a number of lawyers that just the day before we had finalized the application, where mm. I was, I received a letter, and we'll talk about this in another program, from the lawyer, one of the commission counsel for the commissioner, the retired judge who's conducting the public inquiry into the invocations of the Emergency Act. They reached out to me, said, are you still representing Tamara, Tom, Chris, et cetera? If you mm -hmm. are, please file an application to participate in our inquiry. So I needed to talk to them. Some of the lawyers on that team of mine from the Justice Center were in the room. But and you're making an excellent technical defense. But I would say there was no communication that I was in that room. I had a selfie with Tamara myself. It was a lineup of people who you know what it's like. Everyone smile, click. Next, everyone smile, click. The most that would have been communicated is, hi, hey, bunch together. There was, it's so obviously a stretch. And the timing, that selfie was posted a couple of weeks ago. And yet they waited till now. It's so clear because they want to take her out of commission during this second rally in Ottawa on Canada Day. It couldn't be more transparent. It's infuriating to me. But think about ask, one step ahead. further. One step yeah. further. What if, if, if they're worried about the protests that are planned by others that we've all heard about going on in Ottawa mm -hmm. remaining peaceful? Isn't it a provocative move to bring her from Medicine Hat and put her in the jail in downtown Ottawa? Isn't that a provocative move? This is very concerning. It seems like in the, when, you, when you were in Ottawa, and many people observed this, the police were looking for a fight. 
They were yeah. looking for to do provocative things and the truckers always kept their cool. They followed yeah. Jordan Peterson's advice. Yeah. They kept their cool. And then yeah. it, here, it seems like they're being provocative again. Well, uh, here's a question I have for you, because I, in the last two years, my esteem for police, uh, not all police, but for brass and certain police forces has plummeted. I no longer, um, my default stance is get to know any police officer before you judge. My default stance used to be cops are our friends. Now I know there are some brutal partisan cops. We've just learned a lot about Brenda Lucky, the RCMP commissioner being a total partisan slave to Trudeau. And the Ottawa police is notoriously abusive. They got rid of their earlier police chief who clearly wasn't willing to go the distance of their interim police chief. I know this because one of our own reporters, Alexa Lavoie was shot in the leg yes. uh, for peacefully. She wasn't even protesting, she was reporting. This is an extremely abusive police force. We've seen them manhandle people. We've seen their uh, unconstitutional conduct. Here's the reason I'm saying this. Medicine Hat Police have an obligation, I suppose, to enforce a nationwide warrant if there was a murder or a rapist on the loose. But for something so clearly, what lawyers would say in Latin, de minimis non curat lex, laws don't concern, the law doesn't care about trivialities. Like if you're going 51 in a 50 zone, the law doesn't care about a triviality. If you're in a selfie, I'm not even talking, and there's another trucker in the selfie, and you're going to send two police across the country, put someone in shackles, fly them, that's insane. Is there not something that the medicine hat police would say, you know what? This is so obviously absurd. We, we want to double check this. We're going to pump the brakes. We're not saying no. We just want to make more inquiries because you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time, another cop in another jurisdiction says, hey, we got a bad dude in your neck of the woods. Help us out. Yeah, partner, we're both in this together. We're all on team law enforcement. Um, but you're in the Medicine Hat Police and you get a request to go to someone's home and arrest them and put them in jail because they're in a selfie. Don't you have some sort of duty At a Freedom say, Award dinner. Yeah. Don't you think, well, you know what? I'm just, before I just comply, I'm not saying no, but I'm just going to get maybe some legal advice of our own. Maybe I'm going to kick this up to uh, the brass. Maybe I'm just going to be a little more careful before I allow an out-of-control police force that's a disgrace to Ottawa to infect our policing in Medicine Hat. Am I wrong? I mean, I don't know enough about how police proceed, but just because some out-of-control cop in Ottawa is doing the bidding of Justin Trudeau doesn't mean the cops in, in Medicine Hat need to jump to compliance. I'm not saying that they even have the legal right to say no, but maybe they can ask some due diligence questions before being patsies for Trudeau. And from what the former, like former uh, police officer, um, RCMP officer, Danny Bulford, who you know was, was heavily involved in the convoy and still is one of my clients, he explained to me yesterday that this Canada-wide warrant's very unusual, and it does have this kind of binding effect, unlike a, a provincial-based warrant from another jurisdiction where they often don't do anything on them. But I, I want to say this, um, Tamara wanted two messages to get out. One was, tell Canada, let them know what's happened to me. And the other one is, in the same way that everybody remained peaceful when they were protesting in Ottawa. She doesn't want people to fall for the prime minister and the police goons bait. She wants them to remain peaceful because that's how we show them out to be the authoritarian, th authoritarian thugs that they are. 
and she knows people are upset. She's upset. I'm upset. Um, but we need to remain calm and peaceful and keep advocating for a restoration of our rights and hold the line for the rule of law and respect for the charter and stop this authoritarianism that is becoming prevalent in our country. Yeah. You know, I think it behooves every leadership candidate in the federal Conservative Party of Canada and the provincial Alberta United Conservative Party to say what they think about this. And agree. Even if they just say, I'm uncomfortable with it, that's more than nothing. Even if they just say, this doesn't feel like Canada, there must be something more. I'd like to hear an explanation. They don't have to, they don't have to come to a conclusion, but they have to show some curiosity and some discomfort with things. Because if this is the new normal, where it is a national crime uh, on the kind of uh, police level as a murderer on the loose, that someone has a politically incorrect selfie. And I, I say again, they were not communicating in that photo. That photo is not evidence of communication. In fact, it's the opposite. It's evidence of non-communication. Their mouths are shut. Um, I, I think that every, lately, federal conservatives have been trying to get some of the political capital of the truckers. They're meeting with the truckers. And I say better late than never. And I'm glad. Okay, well, let's see if you meant it. Because now Tamara Leach is in jail in an absurdly political police move. And we need to hear that that's wrong. We need to hear uh, that the police are subordinate to civilian rule of law. Um, they're not part of the partisan system and they don't trump our, our charter rights. I'm very mad about this. Keith, let me throw it back to you for a final comment. You told us Tamara Leach's two thoughts spread the word and stay peaceful. We're having a petition at freetamara.ca. And last I checked, we had over 25,000 people signing wow. that. I don't know what good that's going to do because Trudeau doesn't care. 25,000, 250,000, 2.5 million. He, in fact, the, probably the more numbers there are, the angrier he will be. But I think it's important to show that this is not normal in Canada. Last word to you, my friend. Well, I think we all have a not responsibility as Canadians. And in my instance, you know, as a husband and a father and a neighbor and a member of my community to help other Canadians who aren't currently politically active to understand we are in a serious time in our country and they need to add their voice. They need to help people understand that these things are really happening and they're really wrong and they need to be corrected because Canada is worth saving. Uh, true North Strong and Free is in tough shape, and uh, but Canadians who care about their country and their communities and their future for their families need to speak up, talk to politicians, talk to their neighbours. We need to shift the tide. It's growing. Uh, more and more, I think Canadians are very concerned about what they've seen with their governments, with COVID and all these other things. And, and uh, what they're doing to Tamara is just an, uh, a really powerful example of how bad the authoritarians are running our lives. Yeah. Well, Keith, you've certainly done a great deal of good, not just by helping Tamara, but of course, you and I have spoken on several occasions about, for example, your lawsuit challenging the airplane bans and that lawsuit is still proceeding with brian peckford as one of the plaintiffs very important charter challenge i know you're representing a number of truckers you and i've talked several times i'm really grateful to you for your time i know you're so busy actually doing the lawyering that you don't often have a lot of time to do the talking about lawyering but i actually think it's important that people know there are good guys doing it i praise the justice center for constitutional freedoms that's 
the charity with whom you work and we love John Carpe, their leader. And, and, um, and, and we like to tell your story because sometimes the mainstream media either doesn't tell it at all or tells it in a dismissive way. But I, I think the work you're doing is very important. So I salute you and I know our viewers do too. So um, I think what you're doing is important to Tamara, but it's important for the whole country. So keep it up, my friend. And I hope that we keep in touch and I hope that the next time we talk, it's for good news. Thank you very much, Ezra. I appreciate it. Okay, take care. There he is, Keith Wilson, QC, the lawyer for Tamara Leach. Stay with us. My final thoughts are next. There you have it, Keith Wilson, QC, excellent lawyer. I'm, I'm so very glad that he's fighting the battles he is. Uh, I'll be back in Toronto tomorrow. I've really enjoyed my two-day uh, visit here in Calgary, even though I haven't had my studio with me. I'm grateful to the team out here. I'm excited that we've got a great team in temporary offices here in Calgary that we're renting, but I should have news for you soon about more permanent offices. It's been my goal to have our own place in Calgary. Um, like I say, tough day for freedom. We can't take it for granted. The battle is not over. I'm worried that Trudeau and others still have the power, even the premiers still have the power to put us under lockdowns again. I think it comes down to us to stand up for our freedom. I'm not sure we did a great job the first time around. Hopefully we'll do a better job now. Thanks for watching. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at the Rebels Western Outpost, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom. Protect our freedoms. Civil liberties are eroding before our very eyes, and if we do not act fast and now, there will be none left, people. We let the government into our bodies. We're going to return sanity to Albany, and we're going to allow every single New Yorker to make their own health decisions on this period, period, ladies and gentlemen, and it starts on day one. This isn't about health. This is about control, global control of the global working class. I'm Jeremy Lafredo for Rebel News outside of New York City's Health Department, where activists, teachers, and parents have organized a Hands Off Our Kids rally to protest medical mandates on children. Earlier this week, New Yorkers gathered in downtown Manhattan in front of the city's health department to protest against the CDC's recommendation of the COVID vaccine for toddlers and babies and the possible mandating of the jab for NYC's school children. New Yorkers shared their concerns about government shipping away at parental rights and the need to protect their children against the pharmaceutical industry's capture of public health agencies. In the beginning, they preached about how everything was safe and effective and that if you got the shot, you were not gonna get COVID, you wasn't going to spread it. Here we are two years later and people are still catching it, people are still spreading it. Kids don't need it. Kids have much better immune systems than most of us adults. Most kids are generally healthy. Are your kids in the New York City public school system? And did you vaccinate them? No, and I don't plan on doing it. They're unmasked, they're unvaccinated, they're going to stay that way, natural, the way that they were born. Well, we have to protect our children. We're, the, we're their only defense. They can't defend themselves. And right now, I feel that there is a system preying on our children, you know, for profit, pretty much, and power. And uh, so, I, I just, I don't trust the entire establishment, so I always say very blanket things that are a bit extreme, but I just think that the entire system is so corrupt that we cannot trust our children with them. And that's really, it's a simple message, but that's it. And Fauci got COVID, so if Fauci got COVID, 
these things that he's forcing on everyone else don't seem to make a lot of sense. Kids have no risk, almost zero risk from COVID. It's not even um, quantify it. You can't even quantify it on a chart. This is obviously to get the COVID vaccine as a scheduled uh, vaccine so everyone takes it, it's forced. It's a money grab, a power grab from Big Pharma. Well, I was working in the New York City Department of Education and I witnessed many children crying because they did not want to get the PCR test and they did not want to wear the mask. So for me, that's a little abusive and I think it's the right of the parents to decide what they want to do, um, especially the schools are being run by the parents' tax dollars. Um, no government agency has any authority over someone else's child. And so the mandates have to end because, again, it should be everyone's choice and coercion, in my opinion, is not consent. There are many people that do not want to abide by the mandates, but they feel powerless. And so they go along with the agenda because they need their jobs or because they have no other choice but to keep their children inside the school system. And so I believe that um, the Department of Health and the government agencies are preying on the ignorance and the innocence of a lot of parents that do not have the informed consent. This is by far one of the most important things that we can do is protect our freedoms. Civil liberties are eroding before our very eyes and if we do not act fast and now there will be none left people. We let the government into our bodies. We let the government tell us dangling our livelihoods in our faces and say if you don't get this you can't make a living. If you don't get this you can't participate in society. You can't eat in restaurants. You can't watch a movie. Bask in some art in some museums. This is absolute insanity. This is a two-tiered society, okay? We are regressing as a society. Andrew Giuliani, son of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, is running for governor and made an appearance at the rally. He promised New Yorkers who were fired because of the city's mandate their jobs back. We're going to return sanity to Albany, and we're going to allow every single New Yorker to make their own health decisions on this period, period, ladies and gentlemen. And it starts on day one. It starts by making sure every single New Yorker, as we said before, who lost their job, gets their job back with back pay. What I want to add to that, too, is any single New Yorker, we have to figure out how to do this, but we are going to start exploring this in the first week of the administration. Any single New Yorker, certainly a state employee, I think we could do this on, that was coerced into getting this, that ended up having vaccine injury, I truly believe that the state needs to be responsible for some of the liability. We need massive public uh, pushback right now because they're not here, they're not protecting us. Their, their main job, their main role is to protect the public uh, and they're not doing that. They're doing the opposite. They're putting them in danger. So if you have a child out there, protect your child at all costs. Do not give them these shots because the data shows that they're very dangerous. I'm saying parents that don't want to vaccinate your kids, you should take your kids out and go to homeschool. Homeschool them. Homeschool them. Don't, don't do something that your government wants you to do to your child. The children are our future, and I believe this is part of a whole mad scheme by the eugenicist billionaires like Bill Gates to enslave us or depopulate us. I want to look at Van Der Peel's book, PIJL, States of Emergency, Keeping the Global Population in Check. That this is why there's no science behind any of these shots. There's no possible scientific reason to inoculate our children. This isn't about health. This is about contro global control of the global working class. 
By the way, I'm Professor Thomas Smith, and I work at City University of New York. From New York City, for Rebel News, Jeremy Lafredo. If you want to keep up to date with my reports from New York and get the other side of the story, go to rebelnews.com.